Hello, it's so good to have you with us here at Leadership for Sustainability. This is the podcast where we share our experience to help you draw on the best in human nature and work with the rest of nature so your sustainability initiatives deliver results and make a real difference in the world. I'm Osbert Lancaster, longtime sustainability coach, consultant and trainer and co-founder of Realize Earth. Where do you start to develop your sustainability leadership team? In the last couple of episodes, Rich, my colleague here at Realize Earth, drew on his experience at PepsiCo to talk about the characteristics of good sustainability teams and about the key skills sustainability leaders and their teams need to create change, the skills that are described by the inner development goals. But how do you actually do that? Where do you start? And what about if you're not working in a global corporation like PepsiCo? Rich will be getting into all of this shortly, but first, I asked him to talk us through a different way of thinking about key skills for sustainability leadership. Rich describes these as the four types of intelligence that make us human. So I think there's four types of intelligence that we can draw from that make us human, right? So we've talked about cognitive intelligence already within the IDGs, and this is what typically we're trained and educated in to be cognitively intelligent. And that's fine. And then more recently, you know, the last 20 years or so, we've seen the growth of emotional intelligence and this idea that we can develop our skills of empathy and compassion to help us relate better. But there's two more that I'd like to draw attention to. There's physical intelligence. And there's different ways of defining this. But the the way I like to look at this is this, this is drawing on your own physical skills whether it's your your physical ability to move and and you often get sort of performance knowing in this you know dancing or or, or movement can play into this but but also it's it's around using your senses you know it's it's using what does your touch and your sense of smell and taste uh inform of the situation but the one that i really draw on personally is your gut instinct is, to me, as part of this physical intelligence piece, what's your body telling you about this situation, and how is that important? You know, our cognitive intelligence and and the the oh, community and culture, certainly in the Western world, will very often you to dismiss any gut instinct you have because it's not logical. I would actually counter that and say, no, 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 your gut instinct is one of the most powerful barometers you've got. If something doesn't feel right, it's probably not. So drawing on that physical intelligence becomes really important. And then the final one is spiritual intelligence. And I'm not talking about religion, but I'm talking about that spiritual sense of belonging. And it links back to the IDGs, that concern for more than yourself. So your spiritual intelligence plays into a sense of ecological self, that that understanding and awareness of that relationship with the natural environment. And that interrelationship with that natural environment and that dependency on the natural environment. And to me, that is, is a spiritual relationship that can inform your purpose, your power, your drive, commitment and courage can all come from that. So what I find is, let's talk about myself, as I went through my master's program and the, and the years since, I've been deliberately trying to practice and develop these four dimensions, these four intelligences to help bring my whole self to bear in the work I do. And I think bringing these 
all four intelligence sort of dimensions together allows you to start fulfilling your full potential and the power that you can bring. You know, if, if you're just stuck within a cognitive intelligence, that's great. And I'm sure you can be very successful, but you're only bringing a quarter of your full potential to bear. You know, if you can bring in the, the emotional intelligence, the physical and the spiritual, you can actually bring everything of yourself to bear. And if you can get it right, and I'm far from right, because this is this is whole life work kind of stuff. But the more you can harness this stuff, the more power and agency you can bring to your work. Thanks. That sort of really pulls things together nicely and leads us on to that's what you're working towards for yourself and for the colleagues you're looking to support and the team you're looking to develop. How do you go about doing that? Again, you've, you know, you've touched on some of that already, but let's assume that we have someone here who is, they're working on sustainability, they've got a pretty good team around them, but they know they can achieve much more. Where, where should they start? So, so my hesitation is it's a lifelong journey, you know, so, that, so you're, it's not something you can kind of go on a two week course and all of a sudden have ticked that box and be good at, at the end. But I think I think it is a self-awareness journey and it starts with self-awareness. It starts with looking at yourself and understanding the relationship with yourself. So I think, you know, people talk about mindfulness and meditation and that might be part of it but that doesn't work for everybody you know i really struggle with meditation i, I have i have done it i do it occasionally but i kind of get more frustrated with it than, than than i think it benefits me but i think paying attention to yourself what your motivations are what your needs are what your feelings are you know the emotional intelligence with yourself becomes really important and then and then from that you're starting to tap into those sort of physical intelligence aspects to yourself become really important because if you can establish those things for yourself you bench yourself on that being stuff in the idgs you know that authenticity and that inner compass that you can then start using to form what your interventions might be so practically there's loads of self-help books out there i personally stay away from the pop psychology stuff but there is some really good work with people like Bert and Patricia Shaw and Peter Senge and Otisharma there's lots of good books out there but also I think within this is you know find an individual you trust in the parlance that we had within PepsiCo we had buddies and we established buddy relationships which were like peer mentoring relationships where you could bounce stuff off with each other in a trusted environment and, you know, did I overreact to that? How would how could I have done it differently? And you have that friend to start bouncing these things off with each other. In terms of stimulating different conversations, it was about deliberately going into different spaces, deliberately disrupting the usual patterns of behavior. You know, if you're in a corporate boardroom, it's probably arranged so that there's a head of a table with someone with a position of hierarchical power there. Everyone is is sitting and waiting for permission or you know approval from that person before they can kind of contribute something all of this stifles creativity and participation so we need to we need to find ways to disrupt that we went off to farms we used to have meetings on a barge in london and then go for walks at battersea park when it came to our annual operating plan and working out what we were going to do we did that as a collective process and we went off for a few days and we hired a big party house rather than staying in a hotel and we lived together 
for for the week where we all cooked together we did fun and stupid activities in the evening but through that process we we came together in a different dynamic and we were able to then co-create what we were going to do from our our plans and our interventions and, and and whatnot rather than just reinforcing the same old dynamic and um and patterns of behavior so so that that becomes important what else is useful at this point i'm trying to think um journaling becomes important here yeah? so i've touched on you know there's various resources and things to read what becomes important is these debriefs um either collectively or individually and if you're doing it by yourself journaling becomes really quite a useful tool having the discipline whether it's once a week or every day to just reflect on well what worked well what didn't work well why might that be what could i do differently next time and just and just writing about it and journaling about it i think is is a very easy early step to help people start refining this stuff um and i think the final piece to say here is is the idea of action learning you know go, you know look up action learning or action research and have a look at sort of the different approaches and and is associated with this because for me it was hugely cathartic to be able to have an approach that accepted you didn't know what the outcome was would be and it, and it wasn't important what the outcome would be because whatever the outcome was you'd learn from it and then you'd use that to inform your next intervention or your next action and so you could do iterations of these actions and learning for, to improve what you were doing and the impact you're having on each round and using that or having that as a foundation for the work I was doing was very empowering because you didn't have to get it right. It didn't matter whether you got it right. It's just you were creating something that you could learn from and then do something different and better the next time. So I think that is a early piece of skill development to support this work. I'd like to take a moment just now to let you know about our next event. If you've been listening for a while, You'll know that most people are concerned about climate change and would like to make more sustainable choices in their lives. Despite this open door, most business sustainability initiatives fail to engage staff, and as a result, they miss their targets. The reason is that most initiatives don't pay enough attention to what genuinely motivates colleagues, nor do they recognise the barriers that hold back even the most highly motivated employees from taking action. On Wednesday the 22nd of May, join me and Jamie, the creator of the Most Sustainable Workplace Index, and learn how the index can help you tap into and unlock most employees' latent motivation to do the right thing for people and planet. You'll discover how the index can help you to gather hard evidence of what's working and what needs attention across locations and divisions and seniority levels. You'll identify the focus areas where the sustainability team, L&D, HR and so on, should allocate time and resources to make the most progress. And you'll discover how you can demonstrate year-on-year progress with consistent and comparable data on sustainability culture. And you can use that for action planning, reporting, benchmarking and accreditation. Do join us on Wednesday the 22nd of May. You'll find the link in the show notes. So we've covered quite a lot of ground here. We've started off by looking at what sort of team, what sort of relationships you're trying to create. Then we looked at the skills that are needed to work together as a team on sustainability. And then we looked at this final section, just talked us through around how do you start out on that journey? How do you develop those skills within yourself and within your colleagues? Um, Now, I know you said like, there's no sort of simple answers to any of this, (laughs) but people want to start somewhere. And 
people will make their own minds up about this, but I'd like to encourage you, please, to sort of think about if you're going to give give people one place for the listener to start, um, what could that be? Mm-hmm. And but I'm also really conscious that you know people are going to be in very different situations. So I've got three scenarios I'd like to put you on the spot for with this one, and. Thinking here about the very first step that someone could take. So scenario one, continuing, I suppose, where we started before. They've got a pretty good team. They know they could achieve much more. What's their very first step? So I would probably be looking at something like bringing the team together um, to co-create the solution for moving forward, right? So bring them together, define collectively what could be better. You know, what does the vision of good look like that you want to work towards? And then work together to identify the strategy, the approach, the intervention points, the key stakeholders that you need to be influencing and and do that as a co-created process with that team. Brilliant. And so second scenario for you here, and here we have someone who's sustainability manager, sustainability director, setting up a sustainability team from scratch. Perhaps the last time they've been doing this in the organization, perhaps they're sort of shifting from a focus on health and safety and environment to actually trying to embrace sustainability. Where would they be looking to focus, do you think? Very first step. Yeah, so for me, I think it's probably not a surprise based on what I've already said. I would start with trying to find the people with passion and drive. Find the people who care, have a care for this agenda and look at that enthusiasm and passion. I would take that over a technical expertise every time because you can learn technical expertise. Ideally, you find people who have both, but you know, unicorns aren't that common. So, so these people can come from anywhere. So look beyond the traditional departments or functions and look beyond the levels of experience or expertise or seniority. It doesn't matter where they are. If you can find them, if you can get, get them bought into what you're trying to do, you can harness that passion to, to create what you need. So, yeah, find the people with fire in their belly. So scenario three, you've been talking about your experience within PepsiCo, one of the largest corporations in the world. And... A lot of people listening to this, you know, aren't working in that scale of organization. So imagine someone here now in a medium-sized company. There's no dedicated team. There's not going to be a dedicated team, but they are a director or a manager and they've picked up responsibility for sustainability. What's their first step? So I think it's similar to to the answer below, except you're obviously not able to kind of start pulling together a team. But I think it's about identifying the people who have that fire in their belly wherever they sit within the organization, find your allies within the organization, and then you can kind of bring them together to work on the agenda, either informally as a community of interest within the organization to try to bring about the change, or ideally more formally, you can talk to their line managers and sort of say, look, you know, we want to bring people together within work time to to talk about this topic and and you you carve out some time where people can come together but again identify those people with the fire and and bring bring them around to kind of co-create the solutions and the interventions that you're going to need within the organization i would (laughs) i'm laughing because i said inquiry is more powerful than advocate but i would advocate not trying to do it alone because you will burn out right so so burnout is a real risk in this area so you need to find your allies, uh, even if it's just for moral support. But ideally, it's so that between you, you're able to kind of share out the actions and the, the strategy and the work that needs to be done. Excellent. Thank you so much. So I wanted to give you the opportunity. Any final thoughts before we close? The piece is just to reiterate, you know, it, 
it's about action learning and cycles of creating intervention and change. And it's about pulling together people around you who have that shared purpose and fire to make the difference. I mean, that's what it's all about. What a wonderful place to end. I hope you found that interesting and helpful. There's been a lot to take in, but you'll find a summary of the key points at realize.earth109. And if you know someone who would find this podcast useful, please do share it with them, whether on LinkedIn, by email, or old-fashioned word of mouth. I'm Osbert Lancaster, and I hope this episode of Leadership for Sustainability will help you lead on sustainability in your organization. What you're doing is so important, now more than ever. Keep up the good work, and be sure to look after yourself. Bye for now.